Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 209 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels, coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. Appreciate you giving the episode a listen. I'm going to uh, dive into and tackle some of the issues from the trade period that just ended uh, day before yesterday, as a matter of fact. And uh, I'm recording this about 12 to 16 hours after I I was, quite frankly, stunned uh, by the news when I got up uh, this morning that Brett Ratton is no longer the senior coach of the St. Kilda Saints. I'm, I'm just absolutely flabbergasted by that. Now, folks, don't forget that if you are interested in having your local footy club get a shout-out during an upcoming episode, drop me a note via an email at yankonthefooty@gmail.com. gmail.com. Shoot me a message on any of my socials. You can find all of those over on my website, yankonthefooty.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you look for me there, you're going to find me. And uh, I love being able to highlight these clubs. I would love to talk to people involved in these clubs during the offseason as well, because I'm always looking for uh, great discussions, great interviews. So if, if you've got a uh, wonderful tradition with your club or something very unique about yours, uh, or if you just want to share great things that your club has done or is doing, that sort of thing, I'd love to talk to you. So please reach out. Absolutely would love to get in touch with you and be able to do that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I know I've been talking about this quite a bit uh, over the last uh, couple of months, and I did that mainly because of the travel distance uh, in terms of the the postal service and such. But uh, I've mentioned that, you know, my mom's got her 80th birthday coming up and that's actually happening in about a month. So we're getting real close to it being one month. And uh, if you were thinking about helping out with that, uh, I'll leave a note in the show notes with the mailing address there. But she's uh, hoping to get uh, as many birthday cards from different places around the world as she can with uh, somebody dropping like a picture or a postcard or a note of something that brings them joy in there. So if you want to help out with that, that'd be great. I know I've got a handful here. My sister's done a much better job at recruiting cards than I've been able to do, even though I've got people all over the world listening to the uh, to the podcast. So if you're interested in helping out with that, you've got about a month before the birthday occurs. So if you're here in the States, you got a little bit of time. If you're in Australia and you're considering doing it, it'd be great if you could uh, drop that you know, in the post, uh, if you're at all interested in helping out. Again, you don't have to by any stretch of the imagination, but if you were thinking about doing it, it is coming up here pretty quickly. Now, I did want to mention also uh, very quickly that uh, Robert, uh, Kyle, Orville, Kim, Mick, uh, James, Tim, and Dave, uh, Dave, your stickers are in the post. They're in the mail. I dropped those off and sent those out yesterday. Uh, these uh, seven gentlemen, and I actually had mentioned that I... Uh, was going to send out five of them, but I'd actually ordered a couple of extra stickers, so I sent one out to each of the, the folks that had responded on the uh, ups and downs uh, episode survey, which I'm going to be doing here in the next couple of days. I'm going to be recording that and getting that out to you, the ups and downs of the 2022 season. They had some great responses, and I, I really liked uh, Robert's response. He's a St. Kilda supporter, and it makes it even more unique in light of what has happened uh, in the last uh, day or so here. So, today's club of the episode are the Padthaway Lions, and I'm going to work on the pronunciation here, so please don't be upset if I get this wrong, of the Kauri Narakurdi Tatiara Football League in South Australia. And I think that uh, it's probably Narakurt, as, as I'm looking at that, um, in South Australia. And 
Pantheway is about 250 kilometers uh, to the southeast of Adelaide. And they're actually north on the A66 from Nangwari, which is a uh, club that I featured during an interview back in episode 184. And the Lions are a relatively new club. They've only been around since 1967. And at their recent end-of-the-year awards, Andrew Stevens and Will Rivers were named their best and fairest for their reserves in their A-grade squad. And yesterday, they did announce that they've re-signed four players. Uh, Tom Edwards, Will Ro- Will Rivers. I almost said Will Robinson. Danger Will Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Will Rivers, Darcy Boynton, and uh, Kiefer Shar- Sharkey for the 2023 season. And uh, this is a club that has had a couple of players who have gone on to play well over 100 games in the AFL. Scott Welsh. Played over 200 games between the Roos, Crows, and Bulldogs between 96 and 2009. And uh, as did uh, Ian Perry, who played 116 games for Adelaide. So the uh, Pathway Lions are this episode's club of the episode. And I wish them all the best going into 2023. Now, the big news, and again, the trade deadline has come and passed. The trade period is over. But... I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the, the, the big issue of today and, and, you know, Twitter and even to an extent, I think, you know, the different Facebook groups that I've looked at, uh, are in shock, if you will, after the internal review took place, uh, with the lion, I'm sorry, with the saints and they decided to sack Brett Ratton and, uh, to say that I was stunned by that would be an understatement. I was not expecting that in any stretch of the imagination to be happening. And, uh, you know, they did have a, a poor second half of the season. They started out 8-3. and three. They finished the season 3-8. and eight. So they ended up level at 11-11. and 11. But I think they finished 10th or 11th on the ladder. So they, they, were, they were on the cusp. They were on the cusp. They beat the... Uh, the premier side this year, earlier on in the year. And I read an article uh, today from uh, Dan Lecherney, who I had on the podcast on codesports.com.au, and something I guess I was not aware of, which there's a lot of things I'm not aware of, but this is one in particular I did not know. But the Saints are getting ready to celebrate their 150th anniversary. This is one of those clubs that's been around a long, long time. And as he mentioned in the article, they've only had one senior coach that actually spent more than six seasons in that position. In 150 years, one coach had spent that more than six years in that position. Now, I, I have to admit, I can, I can respect that. I can understand that being the case because, uh, and I always hearken back to the, uh, to the Cleveland Browns because I always bring it back to the NFL a little bit here and try to, you know, put kind of a, an American spin on it as well. Um, as a Browns fan, I'm, I'm familiar with this because the, uh, the last solid head coach that the Browns had was a name that, even if you're kind of a uh, an NFL fan on the periphery, you're probably knowledgeable of. And that's a guy by the name of Bill Belichick, who was the Browns coach from, I believe, 1991 to 1995. And the Browns left to go to Baltimore to become the Baltimore Ravens in 1995. So the, the Browns ceased to exist for 96, 97, 98, and came back in 1999. Since 1999, so we're talking 23 seasons, they've had 12 head coaches in 23 seasons. Now, a couple of them were for four or five games because the, the predecessor had been fired. 
but that is that is a damning number. I mean, it is. It's just. Uh, I I can I can empathize with those of you who are Saints fans who are thinking that maybe Brett Ratton was not necessarily the entire problem here, and that he should have been given an opportunity to possibly continue on in this position. You know, because he's been he's been a senior coach for about fifteen years, and he's you know he's he's been level. You know, he's a little more than fifty percent of his games that he's actually won. Um, but you know, I. I can empathize with what the Saints or Saints supporters are thinking. The trade deadline is just come and gone. There was not a whole lot of movement on the Saints side. A lot of people were joking about that on on social media as well that the Saints weren't doing anything. It was kind of like that, almost like that meme where you had the the little stick figure guy poking at the at the Saints logo that says you know come on do something because they weren't making any kind of uh, moves really to to improve the club. And I guess the the moves they were making were internal, and, and getting rid of Brett Ratton, Brett Ratton was considered one of those moves that was going to benefit the club. Now, of course, what's really interesting is that he had just signed a two year extension on his contract less than three months ago, or around three months ago. So, so he has some you know job security in terms of financial security, and I don't know how that's going to work out in terms of benefiting the club and the soft cap or how much of that he's actually going to get, but it's just, it's, the timing of it is interesting. And you, you wonder who's coming in to take that job now. You know, you look back at the track record there, and as I said, you know, one premiership in the history of the franchise, uh, uh, for the history of the club, only one coach that's lasted more than six years, and I believe that was actually the gentleman that won the premiership, and his name escapes me right now. I did read it in the article, but I did not jot it down. Uh, and, I, and I appreciate Daniel Turney doing all that work there, so I make sure I want to make sure that I credited him. And if you're not reading uh, Code Sports, it's uh, you know I'm I don't follow netball. I, I'm kind of wanting to get into cricket, but I don't have the access to watch that sort of thing other than uh, through Willow, and I've not made the uh, investment in that yet. I probably should though. Um, but I think the AFL coverage they have on there is top notch, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to read their paper yet, their online paper, I strongly encourage you to do that. But so let's, let's look at some of the, uh, the moves that were made here. And I'm not going to get into every club, uh, but there were some key things that happened here and there were some, there were some good moves and there were some, some questionable moves that took place also, you know, Richmond, you know, this is a, uh, this is a club that that just got a lot better this week, you know, bringing in you know two top-notch midfielders to plug in to a side that once they got healthy became pretty darn competitive again, and we're you know very close to actually winning a uh, first-round finals game this year. So, you know, they brought in Tim Toronto, they brought in. Uh, Jacob Hopper from GWS. You know, I, I think that the, the the Tigers are going to be formidable again this year. I think this is going to be a very good club if Dusty's healthy. Tom Lynch is back healthy again. You know, Jack Rewalt's going to go around one more time. Um, you know, it might be the last hurrah for Trent Cotchin after seeing the uh, you know the, the retirement of Joel Selwood. I mean, this is this is still a very quality team, and they kept the core of even their youngsters together. You know, so Hugo Ralph Smith stayed there. Of course, you know, you've still got. Uh, 
he was on my fantasy team this year. And this is what happens when you get old. You forget the, the names of some of the people there. And I'm, I'm embarrassed by this, but uh, you're all screaming at me right now, listening to the podcast, a great young small forward here. And I'm, like I said, I get old, I forget names and it really, really frustrates me when that happens. So, um, yeah, so I may edit this part out here because I'm reminding myself of just how much an asshole I am right now by forgetting this name. But it's as I tell my students, I tell them, I said, you know, I'm going to see you in the hallway next year. I'll probably remember your grade where you sat in my classroom, but I may very likely have forgotten your name. So, you know, as I was saying, I believe that the, uh, you know, this club has got a really good, you know, group of young players uh, that, that they have available to them. And, um, you know, Daniel Rioli being, being one of them, but, uh, Shea Bolton being the other one there and Shea Bolton's the name that I was not able to remember there off the top of my head. Like I said, he was on my fantasy team this year and got me to, I believe a third place finish before finals. And I got to the second round of finals before I dropped off. So Shea Bolton, I apologize for forgetting your name there. It, it happens, especially when you get old, like I am. And then, you know, you know, you look at what the, the, uh, the Bulldogs did, you know, they brought in Rory Lobb. You know, it, it's a very crowded forward line for the Western Bulldogs with Naughton, with Eugle uh, Hagen, and Josh Bruce, who's likely to be healthy again. Um, is he going to be able to to find a lot of time playing up forward? You know, they're going to have to replace, you know, Josh Dunkley. Now, they did get some good draft capital for him, but that's a very good player that's leaving their side that headed up to Brisbane. And, of course, they did bring in Liam Jones, and they got him for basically nothing. And, you know, one of the big problems that the Bulldogs had last year was stopping other teams from scoring. And I think he's going to go a long way to help ensure that that occurs. So, yeah, I think it was a, a good offseason for the Bulldogs. You know, they did lose a, a terrific player in Dunkley, however. You know, Port Adelaide, they got... Uh, they got two of their targets uh, that they wanted out of the three that they were really looking for, and they did not have to. They did not have to poke around at their own list and start pulling players off of their list to replace um, or to put into trades for these things, because there was a lot of talk about, you know, Georgiades or Dersma and a lot of other names getting bandied about in terms of. Uh, getting a deal done for Jason Horn Francis. But, you know, they got Junior Rioli in from the, the Eagles. They got Jason Horn Francis coming home after his uh, solo year with North Melbourne. And, you know, both of these guys are going to play key roles in the teal and silver next year. And I, and I, I think that I think that it's going to be a, uh, a great um, opportunity for Jason Horn Francis, you know, being back home. And I'm going to get into the whole idea of, you know, the, the, the 18 year olds being drafted and, and the homesickness thing here before we wrap up. But it was just a, uh, it was just a bad situation all the way around for him. It looks like with North Melbourne, um, you know, that while well, he tried to make a go of it, it just, it seemed like that he was longing to be back in Adelaide and ultimately made that, uh, made that decision to, to have it happen. And it reminded me um, of, well, first of all, let me get to, uh, you know, the fact that they, you know, they, they did give up some picks. They missed out on a Radigalia, and they were hoping to bring him in. And it sounds like they were maybe looking at, at moving him into their defensive structure, uh, because he played a little bit of, you know, 
you know, defensive time for the, the Cats in the limited games that he got this year, but he's staying with the Cats at least one more year now. But I think he's going to struggle to consistently find games with Geelong because there, you know, there's not, not going to be a lot of opportunities for him there. Um, but I, I do think that you know, Port Adelaide did improve themselves. Um, and this is a club that I fully expect to be back in the eight next year. It's too talented to decide. I don't see them starting off the year 0-5. I do think that if the league really wants to be provocative and really wants to get the attention of uh, supporters from the other 16 clubs as well, that maybe they they schedule Port Adelaide's uh, trip to... Melbourne to play the Ruse in round one. Wouldn't that be interesting to see Port Adelaide come back to, to Melbourne, to Marvel Stadium to play against North Melbourne in round one um, as kind of a follow-up to the deal that was made there? I think that would just be a very provocative thing to do. The NFL kind of does that sort of thing. They'll do rematches of the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship, that sort of thing. That happens all the time. But then the Cats, they were able to bring home two local boys, Ollie Henry and, and Tanner Brunn. And I remember when, when uh, Brunn was drafted in, what was it, 2021? 2020 for the 2021 22 seasons. He looked very crestfallen when he was drafted by GWS. Now, he, he made a go of it and played fairly well up there. Um, but he got his way back, you know. Um, you know, the Ollie Henry deal got done at kind of at the last minute. It did cost them... Pick 25 would also cost them a uh, a player as well. Uh, so they did, uh, you know, they did end up having to, to make a deal where they sent somebody out as well in that situation. So they they went ahead and sent out Cooper Stevens to Hawthorne to help make that deal happen. So it's uh, and of course those weren't the only two deals. You know, the Cats also brought in uh, Jack Bowes. And the Jack Bowes trade is one that I know a lot of people are up in arms about because it was it was purely a salary cap dump. They were dumping salary because they'd signed a young man who was struggling to get a game on their side. But they'd signed him to a contract that was going to be paying him, I think, $1.6 million over the next two years. So the Cats, I guess, smoothed out his contract. I don't know if they added more money into it, but added more years to it for sure. And I would I would almost think they would have had to add a little bit more money into it instead of so instead of making say eight hundred thousand dollars for the next two years maybe he's making five hundred thousand for the next four or something like that because it sounded like they added two more years on his contract and I don't know the specific numbers on it yet but they had to make it worth his while I guess but it reminded me of something that happened in the NFL a couple of years ago because this sort of thing will happen on occasion and uh, the uh, Houston Texans who the, the, the Browns have had trades with here in recent months as well. If you remember the, the deal for Deshaun Watson, who is now going to be using club-sponsored masseuses rather than his own. Um, the Texans back in 2018 wanted to get rid of a quarterback by the name of Brock Osweiler, who had played with them. They'd signed him to a big contract, and they are going to be paying him $16 million for the 2018 season. Well, they didn't want to pay him that, so they wanted to offload that contract. And the Browns, who were awful at that time, said, sure, we'll take Brock Osweiler. 
Not that we want him, but we do want the second-round pick that you have, and we'll give you back a fourth-round pick. So they got a pick at the top of the second round and gave up one that was going to be coming about 60 picks later. So very similar to what Gold Coast and Geelong just did. And, of course, the Browns, one of the good things that they've done in recent years, and there are many of those, they turned that second-round pick into Nick Chubb. And if you happen to be you know, somebody who follows the NFL, you might recognize that name because he's arguably the best running back in the NFL right now out of the University of Georgia. So that's something, that is something that's not necessarily um, unprecedented here. I, it, uh, I haven't seen it happen a whole lot in, say, Major League Baseball. You know, they, you know baseball may want to trade um, players and get rid of salary and that sort of thing, but there's no salary cap in baseball, so they don't have to get under a certain amount of money. They can spend as much as they want. Now, of course, there's a luxury tax if you spend over a certain amount, but you could, you know, if you wanted to have a billion-dollar payroll, you could you could do it. You would have to pay a significant uh, penalty, which would then go to the other clubs. But you could pay that money if you chose to do so. But it sounds like the comp is going to start exploring whether or not to look uh, at clamping down on these salary dump trades. So this may be the last time that that sort of thing happens. And, of course, you know, the same kind of thing happened with the... Uh, the pies and the D's as well with the Brody Grundy trade because you know Brody Grundy, one of the best rucks in the comp, he went for only pick twenty-seven. And this is somebody when he's healthy, he's he's at the top of the game there. And now, you know, you got uh, you got the D's with you know two dominant rucks there. Now let's go back and let's look at the Suns here a little bit though. You know the Suns they did trade out pick seven, but they got back pick five for Isaac Rankin. Got him for, got that pick from Adelaide. And Rankin's going to be going to South Australia, and he's going to, you know, this is a young man that is typically played small forward, but is he going to be going into their midfield, or is he going to stay up at the small forward position? Is he somebody that's going to help, uh, you know, to make, uh, you know, Tex Walker shine uh, a little bit there? Is, is that going to afford him, you know, more goal opportunities with a couple of great, you know, goal-kicking forwards there? Um, I don't know, but it, it is going to help the Suns, I think, give uh, Malcolm Rosas a uh, an opportunity to step into that role out of the shadow of Isaac Rankin. Because, you know, Rosas would have some, some terrific games in his own right. He had some great moments, and I think that that's going to be something that, you know, that they're going to be looking forward to him jumping in and doing here uh, going forward then. You know, and the Ruse, you know, let's be honest, they made the best of a bad situation. You know, they, they had a pick who wanted to go home. And they'd only had him for a year. So they made a deal, and they've ultimately brought back in picks two and three. So they, and I'm not going to go, it was a four-club four trade. I'm not going to go through all of the details on that, but they ultimately ended up back with, with picks two and three, and I think they got an extra first next year as well. So... They got some serious draft capital back in this trade that that could help to. I don't know if I want to be so bold as to say accelerate the rebuild at North Melbourne, but to maybe light a spark in it. And start some smoldering, starting to heat things up at the rebuild there. And again, you know, we have to wait and see what's going to be going on with regards to Alistair Clarkson, with Chris Fagan up at Brisbane. You know. We don't know what the results of that investigation with regards to Hawthorne are going to be, so we don't we don't know how 
this is going to impact those two gentlemen if there's going to be two new coaches there. But uh, like I said, they you know they also brought in Griffin Logue. They brought in Darcy Tucker, who were both going to be in their best 18 because this is a club that was just lacking talent all across the board. And they brought in two starting caliber players to their list. So I, I, you know, I think that they're going to be a better side. They're not playing finals this year, but they may have competition for the wooden spoon. You know, they may have, you know, they may be able to play their, their way out of the wooden spoon because there may be some other clubs who are ready to assume that position. And I'll, of course, we'll get into those after the draft is done a little bit closer to the start of the season next year. And then you had lots, like I said, you had lots of movement around in the ruck position. Of course, you know, Luke Jackson headed home to join the Dockers. Brody Grundy, as I said, went to the D's. And that is one hell of a ruck combination that the D's have now with Max gone and Brody Grundy. So how do you compete with, you know, a couple players like that? And and I and I saw some people commenting on, you know, this this great ruck combination that they had now, and they do. They do have a great ruck combination here. It's kind of like you know what you saw with the Saints the last couple of years, where they had two very solid rucks before Patty Ryder retired. But I did joke with some another cat supporter online. I said, "Well, heck, you know the the cats just won a premiership. You know, not having you know arguably not having a ruck at all out there because not you know Reese Stanley has con- been consistently you know looked at as being the weakest ruck in the competition. Yet the club managed to win a premiership this week this year with him. So." I guess that's such a bad thing. I guess that's you just have to decide where you're going to emphasize your your dollars and and who you're going to put where around the ground as you're moving the magnets around. Sorry, Peps. I know that that's your line there. You know, let's spinning spinning the magnets there. Now the Eagles they traded out you know out of pick two, and I think the Eagles were seeing uh, the handwriting on the wall with regards to the uh, what the Ruse were dealing with because you know the Ruse brought in a young man from South Australia, and we're only able to keep him for a year. So the Eagles traded out uh, pick two in the real deal. They brought back in picks eight and 12. And the rumblings are that there are, and I don't know the names of these young men, but a couple of young men from WA who should be available around picks eight and 12 who would be thrilled to put on the blue and blue and yellow, blue and, yeah, blue and yellow, and be, you know, West Coast Eagles should their career paths go that way for the next decade or more. So it, it kind of makes sense because, you know, the, because the Eagles may realize that, you know, we got players that may get drafted here from, say, Victoria or from somewhere else that might want to go home after a couple of years. And uh, it kind of leads into um, something I heard on a... Uh, on another podcast, and it's the it was the the Blue Abroad podcast. It was actually an episode from uh, what they call the Legends of the Jumper Punch, and it was uh, an interview that they did with Ricky Nixon. And I interviewed Mr. Nixon back in 2020, and it was very early on in the podcast when when nobody knew who the hell I was, and and, and a lot of people still don't know who the hell I am, and that's okay. But he was gracious enough to give me a half an hour of his time at that time. And I you know, I still am able to you know, still trade little notes and stuff back and forth with him on social media. Because I, I think that I it was a pretty good interview. It, to me, it is still the interview I am most proud of. 
uh, in the podcast because of it being kind of the, the first big name. And it was the first big name guest that I had on the podcast. So I, I, I can't thank him enough for, you know, taking a leap of faith with me to be on the podcast, on my podcast. Um, and it was, it just, it demonstrated to me that, you know what, maybe I do have the ability to actually reach out and, and, and talk to people who I didn't think I would ever get a chance to talk with. And I, and that's led me to lots of other folks as well, people that I never thought I would have an opportunity to discuss the game with. And I, and I'm so appreciative of those individuals who have set aside time to talk with me. But he, he mentioned, you know, that maybe 18 year olds are too young. And I know that this is a game that, that the athletes, you know, get beat up, that they have a lot of wear and tear on their bodies, on their knees, on their shoulders as they're playing. You know, there's always the threat and the specter of concussions and that sort of thing. But he, you know, he kind of argued that maybe, you know, maybe they should raise the draft age, allow some of these players to hone their craft a little bit more in their local state leagues before they make the jump to the AFL. And once they've done that, one, the club has a little bit better of an understanding of what type of an athlete they're getting. And two, that person has had a chance to mature and grow a little bit in that, that pull of homesickness. And we saw it, you know, I have to be honest, it's, it's benefiting the cats right now. Um, that pull of homesickness might be lessened. So, you know, that, that player that's drafted, that's coming out of, uh, Melbourne that gets drafted to Port Adelaide or that, that player that's come, you know, that that's a Geelong Falcon that gets drafted by Fremantle is okay with staying at that club for four, five, six years until they reach free agency and get an opportunity to decide where they want to go a little bit later on. So that's a very, it's a very interesting point. And, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that it's the best answer, that it's even a correct answer, but it's, you know, if you're if you're somebody who is a supporter of a club who has players, you know, if you're a GWS supporter or North Melbourne now, especially with what's just happened with Jason Horn Francis, or even to you know the Cats to a lesser degree with you know with Tim Kelly, that you know and and you know they they wanted you know he wanted to go home and they they did their best to get him home as quickly as they possibly could, and that worked out well for them because they were able to turn much of that draft capital into Jeremy Cameron. So I completely get it, but, you know, and I know I mentioned this in other episodes, but, uh, you know, the, the two-year rookie contract seems to me, just as, again, as an outsider, and I'm not I'm not saying that, that what the NFL does is right, I'm just saying that this is what they do, that maybe other people aren't aware of, but, you know, those first-round draft picks, they, you know, if you're an NFL first-round draft pick, which is picks 1 through 32, because there's 32 teams, you automatically are signed to a four-year contract. Okay, you're getting a four-year contract from your club. And the money is kind of already set as well. It used to be a lot different where the, the rookies were getting paid extraordinarily signing bon- extraordinarily high signing bonuses, that type of thing. They've negotiated that out to ensure that you know the more veteran players are getting paid a little bit more in the back end of their careers as opposed to these you know, rookies who are coming in, you know, where there were holdouts, where they don't show up for training camp and such, and they're basically a year behind where they should be. So those players are getting signed to four-year contracts. That's kind of standard. 
But there is also then a fifth-year club option. So if that player is playing extraordinarily well, the club can say, yep, we're going to bring you back for one more year at this price. And it's usually it's, a, it's an increase in salary. And I know I've said this before. Uh, or they can decline it. If the player is not playing terribly well, they can say, you know what? We don't think you're worth that much of an investment in our of our resources for that fifth year. But we may try to sign you to a new two-year contract at a lesser cost. You know, that maybe you're you're not going to get that much money out on the open market, but, uh, you know, if, if your salary was going to say that you're going to be getting paid $9 million this year, well, we don't want to pay you that, but we want to sign you for two more years at $6 million apiece. And, the, and clubs can certainly do that. And, of course, the player can say, no, they don't want to do that, and then become a free agent and then go sign wherever they want or sign with whatever club wants to sign them. So, there, you know, and, and, uh, and I have an article that I just printed out that uh, I think that came from the age as well, um, where Patty Dangerfield is talking about, you know, what's, and I haven't read the article yet, so I don't want to comment on it without having read it, but uh, it was talking about one thing that needs to happen before clubs would be able to trade players without their permission. Uh, and because that's something that happens quite a bit in sports here in the United States, you know, there are some players in baseball that if they've played for, uh, 10 years in the league and they've been with the same team for five years, uh, they can, they can invoke a no trade clause and say, nope, we don't want, I don't want to be traded to that team. Some players can have built into their contracts that they don't want to be traded to a certain list of teams. Maybe they don't want to go live in New York State, or they don't want to go live in Ohio, or I am, or maybe they don't want to go to California, or whatever it happens to be. Okay, maybe they don't want to get traded to a team in Florida. What, whatever their argument could be for it, but that that sort of thing happens quite a bit. So it's just it's just an interesting uh, take on this, and I and I know that this has been a a very difficult trade period for the ruse because they're they're giving you know giving up on or being forced to give up on a player that they were hoping was going to be an integral part of their club for the next decade that was going to come out and lead their midfield in the next couple of years and be you know a player that they that they are thrilled to have there and that's not going to be but they're going to have the opportunity to bring in two of the top 3 players in this year's draft and then you know an extra pick coming up in 2023 as well in the 2023 draft. So it, like I said, they made the best of a bad situation. Now, folks, don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. I hope you'll get over there and sign up on the mailing list. If you enjoy the show and you like uh, you like what you're hearing, one, I hope you'll share the uh, the podcast with your friends and family and tell them about this this American that's doing this uh, this podcast because uh, you know one, there aren't a lot of footy podcasts that are going to be going on during the off season, uh, and I and I love bringing this content out there. You know, I may sprinkle in a few other things you know uh, uh, during the course of the uh, the off season as well, but I want to keep talking footy because. This is it. This is, I love this. I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't watch a lot of other sports. I mean, I'll watch the Cleveland Browns play. I'll watch the Ohio State Buckeyes football team. I'll watch the Naval Academy's football team play. But I don't watch the National Hockey League. I don't watch college basketball. I don't watch the NBA. I'm thinking about trying to get into watching cricket. But again, I have to 
pony up to sixty dollars uh, for the subscription to the Willow app on my uh, Roku device to allow me to do that. So I haven't made that that leap yet. Um, and after the you know purchase that I made just recently in the Cat's uh, Team Shop after the premiership, I may not be spending big chunks of money like that for a while. But uh, I'm pretty stoked to have a, uh, a premiership jumper coming in, uh, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. But again, if you want to you know, leave a review, that would be fantastic. If you enjoy the show, those really help with me being able to share my, uh, my show with other people. It gives me some street credibility, if you will, with other people. You can leave me a voicemail there. If you want to be a guest, you can also register as a guest there. You can drop me a note there as well. Like I said, you can find everything about the podcast there, links to all my socials. You can find me on Twitter at Yank underscore on, uh, Yank on the Footy Podcast on Facebook. You can find my name, Craig Wessels, on Facebook. It'll have a, a the image of the podcast there as well. Again, get yourself on that mailing list so when new episodes come out, you'll have them in your inbox within about two minutes of when the episode is released. And ladies and gentlemen, look out for one another. Take care of one another. Be decent to people. Call your friends. Check up on them. Make sure they're okay. And I know there's a lot of bad weather that's been hitting Tasmania, that's been hitting Victoria right now. A lot of rain. I hope that uh, you are all safe. I hope that the impact of this uh, precipitation is minimal. Doesn't sound like that's necessarily going to be the case, but uh, I do hope that uh, everybody comes out of this unscathed. But like I said, check up on your friends and family. Make sure they're okay. Tell them you love them. I do appreciate the kind words that I get from each and every one of you. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 209 of A Yank on the Footy. Again, don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on Twitter. You can reach me at A Yank on the Footy podcast on Facebook or Yank on the Footy on Instagram or to yank on the footy gmail.com by email if you want to reach out to me as well. Thanks for listening again. I do hope you'll share the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye.